Man has climbed Mount Everest, gone to the bottom of the ocean. He has fired rockets to the moon, split the atom, achieved miracles in every field of human endeavor, except crime. Welcome back to Ranks. I'm Charles. I'm McCurdy. Patterson. I'm Scott. Nathan. Junie. And Junie! <laughs> <laughs> and Junie. I can't the first time Johnny's in here. So, uh, so everybody Jamie. say hi, Johnny. Hi, hi Johnny. Johnny. Hi, Junie. Okay, Junie. Oh, so last week, we put From Russia With Love at the top of the board. That was number one out of two. Tonight, we are discussing Goldfinger, once again starring Mr. Sean Connery. Goldfinger brings Bond, James Bond, to Miami, where he has a run-in with a British businessman named Ulrich Goldfinger, the OG man with the golden gun. Bond's mission is to investigate Goldfinger's involvement in illicit gold smuggling, which leads to the discovery of a devious plot to take on Fort Knox and execute the largest bank heist in history, all for the love of Gold! I love gold. Excellent. Anyway, McCurdy, what do you have for us? Oh my god, too much information. I'm going to consolidate as much as possible. That's what I'm going to tell you. So yes, this is the third film, gentlemen, and as any movie in Hollywood, if it does better, it's going to get a bigger budget. So this film's budget went all the way up to $3 million, which is as the first and the second combined. Terrence Young doesn't return on this film because of pay disputes, so they hired another guy named Guy Hamilton. He knew Ian Fleming because he himself was also in British intelligence. Well, not British intelligence. He was part of the British Navy, but he was involved in intelligence, and he knew he already knew Ian Fleming ahead of time. He also apparently also knew Connery before this film. Let's talk about Pussy Galore. My name is Pussy Galore. I must be dreaming. Played by Honor Blackman. Now, Honor Blackman, she was cast because there was another British television show. Wait, 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 wait. Go ahead. Honor Blackman? Honor Blackman is their name. Her name is Honor. She just always has weird-ass names. Again, we are living in the heyday of spy espionage films. So there's another television show at the time called The Avengers, not to be confused with obviously Marvel's Avengers. This was called The Avengers. And she played one of the characters on that show, Harry Salzman, as you remember, and Albert Broccoli, who were the producers of these films. They saw her, they were like, man, she's gorgeous. We should put her on this movie. But the producers were concerned with the name, of course, Pussy Galore. It's pretty specific. It's pretty obvious. They were thinking maybe we should change it to Kitty Galore. It's you know, a porno level porno. name. Yeah. It. yeah. It's straight. It's, I mean, honestly, it, it's, yeah. it, when they parody it with a lot of vagina, it's really not that far <laughs> off the mark. No, no, no. no. It, it's honestly oh. more crass than most porn names. Totally. Yes. Like, it's, yeah. it's yes. worse <laughs> than most. Yes. Yeah. So they decided, they said, if you were a 10 year old boy and you knew what the name meant, you weren't a 10 year old boy. You were a dirty little bitch. This is quoting The American censor was concerned. But we got around that by inviting him and his wife out to dinner and told him we were big supporters of the Republican Party. And then on to top that, (laughs) to top the trolling, Honor Blackman, every time she did an interview for this film, when she was promoting the movie, she would always bring up the name of her character because, you know, interviewers, this is the 60s interviewers, the time are like, Miss Galore, you know, she'd say, oh, yes, my character, Pussy Galore. Did I forget to mention her name is Pussy Galore, you know, she would say that constantly to embarrass the shit out of the uh, the interviewers, which I found is just amazing. That's on the exact level of Dixie Normus. 
Yeah, they're like, F it, we're gonna do it. My name is Butch. Shemol <laughs> Butch. Yeah. <laughs> Gert Forbes. Uh, I, I think that's how you say his name. Uh, he plays mm -hmm. the title character of this Did film, Goldfinger. Did you say Gold his first Finger. name is Gert? Gert. G-E-R-T. Oh, okay. I just... Yeah. All these Forb. people are dirty. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like... Gert Forbes was a... Uh, he was a German actor. And he got the role after the producers saw him in a German film titled It Happened in Broad Daylight, where he played, guess guess what kind of character he he played if the name is called In Broad Daylight. No, can't, nobody. A rapist? He played yeah. a child molester, and they oh, thought he was really good. Was so close. Much worse. He thought uh, uh, he oh, played a child molester. Bingo. So they were like, he's he's got to be, he's got to be Goldfinger in this movie. It gets worse. Gert was German, of course, and this film is not far off from World War II. And yes, he was a former member of the Nazi party. So I just find that, like, if, yeah, yeah, eyes wide. He was a Dude. former member of the so Nazi party. So when Bond drops that Nazi <laughs> yeah. bullion, he's like, I know that. So he knew exactly <laughs> what that was. That's mine. Oh, wow. So the big so story weird. with Gert, though, is that, you know, Patterson, you brought this up on our Dr. No episode, is that Ursula Andress was dubbed. Of course, Gert Forbes was very, very German. He didn't speak a word of English. He had to do all of his lines phonetically. So, you know, you'd look at the script and you like have to sound everything out. And that's how he memorized all of his lines. What? I don't think many people know. I mean, I give lots of talks. And when I talk about revoicing, people look, you can see the way people react. Golfing was revoiced? What, you know, they have no idea. I w 100%. Just as much as I was completely in the dark about Ursula, I am completely in the dark about this too. Uh, I, I would never think that he was anything other than... I mean, I, they make a point of saying... Eric Goldfinger. Sounds like a French nail varnish. He's British, but he doesn't sound like it. But who dubbed it? Did he dub it? Like, did they have him come in and loop? No, they had somebody else come in. It wasn't my performance. It was Gert Frobe's performance. Let's say it's like a crossword puzzle. Mr. Frobe had all the answers. He knew all the answers. Produced them pretty well, but his vocal pencil was blunt, and I just went in and outlined what he'd said. Oh, Mr. Bond, sit down, please. Mint julep, traditional but satisfying. Because Salzman and Broccoli looked at the dailies and were like, this this is horrible. And Hamilton's like, don't fucking worry about it. We're going to dub them anyways. He is so German that he was in another movie called Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Eating as much as an Remember you once asked me how a bullet comes out of a gun? Are you fat? Getting terribly fat. What do you think will come of that? I don't like the look of it. Does anybody have a proposition? for an official ranking for Goldfinger. Scott. I'm gonna put Goldfinger at number one, ahead of From Russia With Love, number two, and Dr. No, number three. So it begins, and I, so it begins. It, Patterson, it you're gonna second that? Let's, Let's go. go. I'm going to uh, Go ahead agree. and second it, because I, I disagree. No way. Uh, that's fine. No way. That's fine, Charlie. You, you're. Go ahead. Wait, who else agrees? Do we have any more seconds? Do we have any more seconds? I, I, I do. I, I second that exact order. I also second it. Unfortunately. God damn it. I'm. I'm also gonna agree, but I will say, from Russia with Love and this one, there's some aspects of both that beat the other. Yeah. And it, I agree. it was difficult. I agree. Yeah, it really was. Let me open up with saying, like, what makes this film. For many people, the best film is simply the fact that it like focuses. It is the template for pretty much every Bond film from here on out. And most people would agree. Like if you were to watch this film and then watch a later Bond film, these feel like the same thing. Like when we were watching the first two films, elements are there, but they're not quite yet there. And then when you got to Goldfinger, it was like, oh, this is what 
I want out of a James Bond movie. I want hot women. I want a cool, fast car. I want awesome action sequences. I want a great villain. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Which is hilarious because this film doesn't even have Spectre in it. It has nothing to do with Spectre. And a lot of people call this like one of the best films of all time. I agree that this is where suddenly everything comes to a head, right, in terms of the formula. We've been leading up to this for the last couple of weeks, which is we start off with Dr. No, great prototype, then it grows a little bit. A couple more of the key ingredients start coming in with From Russia With Love. And yes, by the time you get to Goldfinger, everything's there, including the way it opens with our little gun barrel straight into a prologue and then into an intro that has the intro song. Suddenly, oh, here's the James Bond formula perfected, and then they replicate this from there on. For me, though, that doesn't change the fact that story is number one, right? Regardless of like, ah, well, in Fr From Russia With Love, they didn't have that Q scene where you go to Q branch and see them, you know, developing weapons and all that. Those so-called iconic elements may not all be there, but for me, that doesn't detract from From Russia With Love being a superior spy versus spy story with Bond stuck in this web of Spectre and the Lecter and all these different elements all kind of intermingling with different countries and organizations' interests all running into each other. And you've got misdirection and backstabbings and betrayals and just all this intrigue. Very much like a classical spy movie versus a spectacular spy movie. If I had to put points to why I think Goldfinger is better. Your first point was, it's the story that matters, right? Okay, yep. that's great. Does Bond change from the beginning of From Russia With Love to the end of Does From Bond Russia With Love? Does Bond ever change? Does Bond change from Does Gold Bond ever Goldfinger change to over 24, 25 Charlie, Charlie, these po the Here point of these stories is <laughs> the excitement, the action, the suspense, the uh, spectacle of these movies. Now, there are some that do change where Bond does have a like emotional, like we talked about last time, he a vulnerable change. But to me, from Russia with Love, he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that in Goldfinger either. So what are we left with? We're left with the spectacle, the action, all that stuff. All the iconic moments that people will go back to when it talks about Goldfinger are in this movie. I expect you to die, Mr. Bond. Odd job throwing his hat. The Aston Martin, which is brought back several times in the franchise, whether it's a new Aston Martin or it's the original DB5. This is the first Bond car of any of the films. Yeah, he drove other cars, but this is the Bond car. This is his Batmobile. This is his yeah. Batmobile, right? Totally random fact about the car is it's later used in the Cannonball Run 1981. Roger Moore. Good day. You guys mostly talk about these things that are, Sorry. oh, it's iconic. It's like this, Sorry. this, this big thing. Q branches here, the car. And I go, yeah, those are, those. I love those things. That's what all hardcore Bond. Bond. That is great oh, Bond yeah. shit. But for me, what it comes down to is the story. And the story for Goldfinger is great. The story from, from Russia with Love does it for me more. And I think what it comes down to is it's just a step classier. I just like the class of From Russia with Love. I think Let's From Russia with Love will that. always be towards the top for me. And I explain think over that. time Goldfinger might slip just a little bit. So um, where does the class come in for you, Char? It's a slightly more complicated story with Bond, who is, again, somewhat restricted from, like, not having so many gadgets, 
not having these goofy scenes with, you know, a bunch of uh, Asian dudes, you know, <laughs> exploding as they fall over cliffs. You know, this is one of those movies where every vehicle spontaneously combusts. I just dig the classiness of From Russia With Love versus the grander scope of Goldfinger. And that doesn't mean that I don't like Goldfinger. I f***ing love Goldfinger. I really do. I just get off on From Russia With Love in a different way. I think I just dig the story of the manipulation going on uh, through Spectre, the whole um, keeping Bond alive and exploiting Bond's talents in order to get what they want. Bond having to piece together this like, oh, you, you've been playing me. Now, I will say, though, that when it comes to the bad guys, I pointed out last week how Red fails right at the end, like right at the end, as awesome as he is. And as fun as he is, right at the end, he sells out for money. And it doesn't make sense because he would value the mission over money. But if it was Goldfinger in that place and if Bond said, I'll give you some gold sovereigns, he'd be like, what? Gold Gold sovereigns? Yeah, he would paper hand the shit out of that. (laughs) He he would sell out right away for 50 slash 100 gold sovereigns. So so there's a little irony there. I'll give you these full gold to That's fair. Charlie's argument is slightly swaying me. Like, like, I'm not oh. sure. So, it, join. Go ahead, Nance. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Nance. Okay, wait, wait, real know, quick, yeah. real quick. Let's go just ahead, take a, let's just take a quick recap. It's f- all of you, and then Johnny's a swing voter, and maybe maybe Nance. Johnny, do you have uh, a leaning? Can you? Could you? Could you? <clears> Sophie's <throat> choice between the these two movies. Now. I'm gonna do a pretty typical Johnny thing and see. I can see both sides here. <laughs> I think. You I think that Goldfinger. Like, it's so funny for me because as a first-time Bond viewer, having seen Austin Powers, each movie helps me laugh more in retrospect <laughs> than Austin Powers. Yeah. Yes. You know what yes. I mean? I've not like, seen yeah. these films before, and yeah. all I can think about is Austin Powers. These two it's films so hard not were to. the definitive Yes, this is, the, this is yeah. the backbone of Bond, and like everybody's yep. saying, this third one is where it hits Austin its stride. Powers. But in retrospect, like knowing what Bond becomes, Goldfinger feels special. The first scene with Q, the sort of, it's like all of the stuff comes together in that way. But when you take that away, I agree with you, Charlie, that some of what makes From Russia With Love like its own thing, its own uniqueness even within the Bond catalog and the classiness of it, the sort of like smaller, it's weird because Spectre is in there, right? Which is yeah. supposedly a bigger scale. It's a multi-movie plot versus Goldfinger, which is a one movie villain, but it still feels like more intimate. It's the one guy coming after him. There's the one plot here he's not aware of. And so for me, I enjoyed From Russia with Love. I thought the characters were fun. What it comes down to is- I, I'm you, getting you guys here, say, Charlie. God damn say, it. I'm, oh, I'm we expressing have both sides. Oh, we, we have this iconic thing, that iconic thing. And I go, yeah, yes. but, but what is that core story? And and yes, I love Goldfinger as a bad guy. And, and Ajab is fun. I'll throw this out to you guys so I don't talk for another 20 minutes about how much I f***ing love From Russia With Love. <laughs> Please. Do you just like, right, you're just like Goldfinger's better, <clears throat> the character. Like, do you prefer Goldfinger to Red Grant and why? I think Red Grant is the better villain, especially and- when you add in like, we get Spectre. I think From Russia With Love, especially that train fight scene, has better action sequences than Goldfinger. I found Goldfinger a little lackluster and I was kind of surprised that it, was a much higher budget than From Russia With Love because I feel like From Russia With Love had way more explosions, way more action. Goldfinger had some like n- cool shots in it, 
but this was all of that money went into that ending that extra million dollars all went into that final i mean even just the shots of like everybody collapsing uh, and just taking over that entire fort knox right i see your point charlie about red grant the problem for me is that red grant is not the villain he's not the overarching villain he is but he's essentially because who glorified and he hold on He's essentially a glorified henchman. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I don't like Red Grant, but as far as matching people to people, I'm like, "Mm, Red Grant's more of a henchman who gets some really good lines. They have a really good fight at the end of the film, but I feel like Goldfinger is such a big presence throughout the entire film. I mean, he's in the very beginning scenes of the movie, and he's in the very end of the movie. He's always there. He's an active villain. What's interesting is that Spectre, the big baddie, you know, we know as Blofeld. We also have, uh, I was going to say Frau, but we have uh, Colonel Clem, right? (laughs) And and um, and those characters, but they're not active. They're they're more of people like this is our plan, and we're gonna send a guy out to do it. Like a good bad guy isn't based on screen time. It's not all. all I'm not basing this on screen time. I'm not basing this on screen time. I'm basing this on the fact that Goldfinger is throughout the entire film, and every scene is Bond versus Goldfinger. You know what I mean? Like okay, okay. How about this then? How about but that's what I think it's a better movie. It, so if, if we're going based on, if we're going to put people on levels, right? Mm-hmm. Who is better then? Red Grant or Ajab? Ajab. Like you know what? Thousand percent. Red <laughs> okay. Grant. Off with listen, Red Grant. Listen, I know you love Red Grant. Grant. I'm not hearing it. No, no. I know you love Ajab, Red Grant. Ajab. <laughs> but Ajab doesn't have miles to say shit. Think of like Ajab like in the same way I think of the man with no name, right? Like, yeah. Clint Eastwood's character, like what makes him so fascinating is he don't say nothing. You don't have to say nothing. He makes his actions say everything that needs to be said. He breaks a motherfucking steel pole in half with his hand. (laughs) Period. Yeah, Karen Bay was able to bend steel bars with his teeth, okay? (laughs) Not bad for a man who started life breaking chains. And bending bars with his teeth in a circus. Okay. <laughs> was he? Was that in the movie? That's kind of how I felt about the From Russia with Love villain up until he decided to come in with the tacky British accent at the very end. Like, he wasn't yeah. saying anything for most of the film. And he yeah. was a more ominous Lame. Presence. And then he yeah. came in and was like, old man. Oh, I'm so sorry. I only got M. Swar an hour ago. I busted every record getting here. Old yeah. man. Well, he, like, yeah. he, but really he, um, weird. we, we determined, though, that he is Irish, though. Man. We determined that Red Grant is Irish. Yeah, I always thought he was Russian, but he's... Yeah. He's, he's an Irish crazy man. I thought he was German. He's Irish. He was Irish, and they imprisoned him in Britain, in a British prison. I was got... Um, I love odd job. I think he is cooler than than Grant. To be perfectly honest with you, Charlie, he's, he's more iconic. I, Grant, for sure. Here's here's odd my job. take. Odd job as a henchman is the. Sh- I uh, personally, I would say that Red Grant is the top baddie of because Blofeld just doesn't count as a top baddie. He's like the guy in Inspector Gadget. He he never does anything, but he just like sits in a chair. I'm a very true I mean, that's literally what the Spectre guy, that's what Dr. Claw is, is Ernest Blofeld, you know? Yeah, yeah. like, it, it, like Blofeld I mean, doesn't exactly do anything, he he's just, yeah, he's just like a faceless dude, like, and, and, and he, he carries through everything, he manufactures all of Bond's pain, but, uh, dude, true power is not being involved, not being seen, but controlling f***ing everything, that sure, is true sure. power. But, 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 like, every movie we would have to be saying that the bad guy's Blofeld. It's not Blofeld. It's, it's not. Like, it's, it's whoever he's brought in at, at that time. So that's why I think the main baddie is Red Grant, as opposed to Kleb, as opposed to the chess master, 
you know, the main baddie is Red Grant. Yeah, it's okay. It's like in okay. Star Wars is Darth Vader the bad guy or is the Emperor? And they kind of both are, but but in the first movie, it's Darth Vader, right? Like he's the imposing presence. Yeah. He's the antagonist. Yeah. To the protagonist. True. So That's why it's hard to compare these job. things, as if like we need, to, we need to qualify it based on like where people are in some yeah. hierarchy. Instead, it's All like right. no, no, no. When it comes to From Rush with Love, the main baddie, like who's the main baddie? Blofeld? No. Chess guy? No. Kleb? Hell no. Yeah. It's Red Grant. Even though he True. he we just kind of see him here and there, and then he he dies relatively early. He's still the main bad guy. Okay. This then I'm gonna go. Is definitely the main bad guy. Then I'm gonna go one ahead and then say Goldfinger is better than Red Grant. And okay. Okay. But 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 but, but please go into that. Don't just f-ing quote him. Tell me tell me why so, they're okay. better than Red Grant. I, first of all, I, I think I my favorite villain moment in this movie is actually towards the end of it when he basically tricks all those soldiers and just like yes. blasts them in the back. That is cold bloody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially when he just golden guns his Japanese contact or whatever, you know. As soon as you die, he just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll give him that. But but seriously though, he is the original man with the golden gun. The only thing I didn't love tanya for me was very flat she How wasn't so? not chested she no because she's not like no. dink dink if if, if dink, dink could have played her <laughs> dink. dink is everybody wants to dink dink to dink dink, dink. dink. No, dink. no 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 i just i just like i think dink. I, I think God, she dink dink is like 1960s thick like <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> Anyway, I think I think more as like a as an actress, maybe even in just her portrayal of the character, because like the character, it just feels like she's on the rails, kind of getting shoved along the whole way through, and she makes a big decision in the end to shoot Frau. But I think that uh, she I, saves James Bond's God. life. No, we I covered agree. that last week. Yeah, but, I agree. You know, we we you yeah. covered that, and I agree. I think that's a big moment for her. But outside of that moment, she still sort of feels like she's. She has no agency until that moment. And that is her big moment. And that's good. But I just, it's sort of like her orders were to seduce this guy and she, and did, she that. did it, but then it became real. Like she, and, and that was, that was my point last week. Maybe I just didn't Bond believe that it became real. Guys. I, that, that, that I could, you know. Yeah. I didn't believe that it became real. But for pussy galore, it is it any different? Not, it only yeah. became real in like two seconds because Bond forced himself on her. Right? Because but he won I a think, judo I think match. Makes, I think because he doesn't know, know that Dr. Dr. No means bleed no. You guys, I think what this episode, we need to keep it to this film. What makes Wait, Scott, what the fuck are you talking about? The rules are, we're arguing rules are, we can talk about movies. Let me say this. Let me say this. The rules are that future movies don't exist. And I'm accusing you you guys sure. of treating Goldfinger not as Goldfinger, mm. but thinking of it in terms of well, S- it's got a Q scene, sure. it's got the Aston Martin, sure. it's got all these things that uh, we know as iconic yep. now. But you, I want you to judge it as you just saw these three movies for the first time, and you're trying to figure out which one is the top. And my argument, my core argument, is that From Rush with Love has this certain level of class and realism with it. And there are certain moments of Goldfinger that have this absurdity that I think knocks it into the second position. I get that, but there feels like when I get to Goldfinger, a breath of fresh air. 
But you're looking at it like we're just saying, oh, the iconic moments make the movie good. But there is something to be said about if you go and see a movie and you remember all these specific moments, that means to me that those moments left an impact. And, and I know we, none I of watch, us are free of bias, watch, but you're saying that you I have bias. Watch, listen, That's why I want to I want to I want to press every Nathan, time I watch for who's a newbie. For every what time he I has watch to from say. Rush with Love, I kind of forget the movie. I completely forget the movie. There's so many great little things in the movie, and it's not just the iconic moments. If we line up all of our bad guys, there's a very common thing for these first three films. Dr. No keeps Bond alive. Why? To possibly recruit him into Spectre. Yeah. Red Grant and the team keep Bond alive to manipulate him to basically use his abilities to get what they want. Yeah. Goldfinger keeps Bond alive because Bond being dead might jeopardize his goals. You are quite right, Mr. Bond. You are worth more to me alive. They all keep Bond alive for a clear purpose. Two times, Goldfinger tries to take Bond out in gnarly f***ing ways. Like, it's <laughs> not good enough for him to just have odd job break <laughs> his f***ing neck. Instead, right. it's, I'm gonna have this laser cut you in half from the balls up because you stole my girl. And then the second one is, I'm gonna straight up obliterate you. Goodbye, Mr. Bond. But they <laughs> probably should have gotten rid of the threat. We gotta keep Bond alive so he can report to his superiors. But let's kill him like before breakfast. I think what always gets forgotten is that villains tend to have giant egos. Yep. And giant egos lend to I want to be a showman of what my work has done. And so to just kill the your adversary without them seeing you succeed, especially if you're like a psychopath or whatever, you know, that that's just it, like it's it's icing on the cake. It's like, oh, this guy tried to stop me. He's going to end up in my trap. You know, what I'm I mean? not I'm not being Scott evil where I go. I got a gun in my room. I'll just go get it and we'll shoot him. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. I'm saying that there's a commonality in these first three films, which is they all keep Bond alive yeah. for different purposes. And that's sure. interesting, yeah. right? Because yeah. over yeah. time, bad guys no longer keep Bond alive for a purpose. They're just trying to kill him, and then they try to kill him in these overly elaborate and exotic deaths, to quote Dr. Evil. It's a harmony yeah. in the films that they all kind of have this reason to keep Bond in the plot besides just them wasting him as soon as he steps to them at all. And it allows yeah. there to be an interesting relationship between Bond and the villain. Like, yeah. they have lots of dialogue, and that's interesting. In this movie, I think more so than the other two. To Junie's point... <laughs> Junie. Junie, Johnny, whatever. <laughs> Change your... <laughs> to his point, Don't Charlie, like I know you love Red Grant, and I love him too. He's great. Uh if we again I would I would put these two films towards the top consistently yes. compared to a lot of the other films we're gonna watch. But yep. what I what to his point is that you have a lot of you have that one great dialogue scene in uh in From Russia with Love at the towards the end of the film. But I feel like this film has a lot of great dialogue scenes with Goldfinger mm -hmm. and Bond. Whether it is their first meeting when he's over the radio and he's like, come on now, Goldfinger, you're going to lose. Or, you know, during the golf match, the laser chair. Like, every single scene that Bond and Goldfinger are in, you are just captivated. It's just incredible to watch just the wordplay against each of them. The purpose of our two previous encounters is now very clear to me. I do not intend to be distracted by another. Good night, Mr. Bond. Do you expect me to talk? 
No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. And of course, I think Connery does a great job and the writers do a great job of making Bond a little bit, you know, a little bit more intelligent, a little more witty than uh, Goldfinger. But I, I, I love how like you have the one guy who has all the money in the world and you have the guy who's from just the British Secret Service and he just so happens to have like a supercar and a gun and he's able to like outwit him at every turn. So much so that he just like in literal terms, turns a lesbian straight <laughs> to save the world. Where is the, yeah, like, I don't... there's the one moment where she She's says, your charm's not gonna work. You can turn off the charm. I'm immune. Like, when does her flying circus become like a cunnilingus circle? I, 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 I don't. It's not. It's it's one of those. Where is that? Is in the in the circle. like if you watch Puffy Galore's flying. No, of course, of course. Okay, Charlie. Of course, we don't see that in the film. And I'm not saying that. That's where is the proof that she's. Yeah, I mean, she's, I don't, she's just it's more in she's the just fact playing she, hard to get right i'm it's not, not with you, you know, here mccurdy she's no, just a strong woman it's 1960s they're not going to be out in front about everything there's a lot of movies that do things where they say things off to like things are not said explicitly finger comes onto her and she rejects him because he's a disgusting slob other than that it's just bond Right. And yeah, she fights Bond because Bond's the enemy. And then she relents pretty. I mean, Reg regardless of the all lesbian of us would relent not, in that situation, regardless of the lesbian comment or not. It's just hilarious to me that this film and I love this film, but it's hilarious to me that Bond sleeping with this woman saves the world because by doing so, he turns her because I always forget. I always forget every time I watch this movie. I'm like, wait, how do they how does yeah. they stop? This whole Fort Knox yeah, thing. I, yeah. And then I always forget about it. And I'm like, oh, wait, that's right. Because he slept with Pussy Galore and then turned her good. <laughs> I must have appealed to her maternal instincts. I think Arthur Blackman plays a better female Bond character because she's she can hold her own against Bond. Whereas Tatiana is just so like, yeah, sure, Bond. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. Sure, she's Bond, under orders yeah. to yeah. his yeah. Yeah. She was That's under happening. orders I think we get a better Pussy Galore is like, not right, under order. Right, right. Pussy Galore was, was told to go McCurdy. put on something scantily. But it's also like this. McCurdy. The way that he I said, see it. No, Goldfinger said go put care. on something I slutty. I suggest you change it to something more suitable. That, Tatiana was under order. black man doesn't have to be like, oh, I have to follow this order. Great movies have great villains, right? The better the villain, the better the movie, because it's a better challenge for the main character. In that regard, I think that Honor Blackman playing Pussy Galore is a better challenge towards Bond because she doesn't just quickly fall for his charm. She's like, whatever, I'm Pussy Galore. I think like she's a Even better if she's contrast. under orders, it makes it less interesting. Yeah, I think, Johnny, what Stronger. you were getting at is that Tatiana yeah. is just kind of like, Falls for Bond, just like that's yeah. what's orders. But with with Pussy Galore, that's Pussy cool. Galore just she has to put up too. a. She, she at least is a challenge for towards like, Bond because Bond's like, oh, Bond. you're not yeah, gonna fall for my charm. You're not gonna fall for my charm. I'm gonna put on the charm even harder. Am I the only one that thinks Tatiana is the better Bond girl? I feel like she actually has something that she's doing, and Pussy Galore is just like, oh, Bond slept with me, so I'm gonna switch the gas out. At what moment did you feel like Tatiana fell? in love with him that moment's that on the film. train it was the dresses or some combination of the kindness on the train that's my guess that's my guess same question what moment does miss galore i don't think they do your point johnny i think what you're trying to ask is if in the other film tatiana falls in love with bond right and then what I love about Pussy Galore and James Bond's relationship in this film is I think they both have a mutual respect where they're like, 
yeah, that was some good damn sex. That was some great sex. But none of them are like, I'm in love with you. Charlie, I know your I know your thoughts on feminism. Whatever. My thoughts on feminism as it relates to Bond girls only go so far as to point out that it has successfully reduced any kind of analysis of female characters down to strong or not strong. And I just do not find it interesting or compelling. I find it lazy. And 99% of the time, it's just physical strength and no other kind of strength. There's such a focus on making Bond girls physical, just as physical as Bond Bond, to the point that they don't have any character. Feminist standards of female strength are so superficial. All they care is that a woman acts like a man physically. It's so uncreative. I'm more interested in deeper character traits than pussy galore just standing there acting all smug. And then we pretend that that's strength. I mean, it's just stupid. I am just not impressed by it. I'm more impressed by Tatiana, who is forced into an impossible situation and a really dangerous one at that tanya is playing a role she's playing a part and she has to ride this line of not getting killed by her superiors but also convincing bond that she's in love with him her whole mission is to convince him that she is and i'm sure the whole time that was terrifying that took a lot of psychological strength for her to pull off her whole end of the bargain but eventually it does become real and that's made obvious because she shoots Frau. I'm pretty sure Tatiana is stronger than Pussy Galore, even though Pussy Galore can throw some judo moves or whatever. Who cares? All in all, male or female, I care more about strength of character than I do characters of physical strength. And by that standard, I think Tanya wins over Pussy Galore any day of the week. There's an added layer with Tatiana where it's like, yeah. is it real? At one point, Karen Bay dies. Bond presses the matter with her like he's like fucking bitch you did this and she's like even if you kill me i can say nothing there's this question of what's real between them is is it just orders is this real love she actually has fallen for him and and bond really never does bond just continues to focus on the mission but there's that there's a question there whereas with pussy galore they really share just a few scenes together but the moment that they are alone together Bond smashes in like two seconds. I mean, he's straight. He Doctor No Means knows the shit out of her. Like he just gets yeah. on top. But she doesn't. She and, doesn't and kind of win out. so yeah. easily as I think Tatiana. I thought, and I know Tatiana's under orders, but like every scene and the way that she plays that character, it really just seems like take me, Bond. Just take me. Like she's just very here's by design. That's easy. that's here, by design. Here's though. Here's she does the question. first Go. scene with her. Johnny, she Johnny, literally Johnny, climbs Charlie, into bed Charlie, because that's Charlie. the point. Charlie. I'm talking about the acting. I'm not talking about the character's motivations. I think in the acting, she seems very easy compared to the character Pussy Galore does not seem easy at all. But I love the fact that Honor Blackman's character Pussy Galore is not so easily swayed by shit. Because it at least gives you some kind of conflict. Whereas the other character just feels like she just kind of falls over real quick like dominoes. It's just very easy. She's under orders. I mean, I you, like can, you cannot underplay Charlie, that. Even I'm after so she's under orders. Goldfinger even like says, Goldfinger's less. like, go put on something slutty because I want you and Bond to look like a thing. Like, but even let, Pussy Galore's under orders. And had uh, they never the, been well, left alone... at least stands up to Bond. And, and no, Char at least Yeah, no, Charlie, it doesn't matter. The, you're getting hung up on the fact that it's There's some kind of conflict there. 
where she has to stand up to Bond's charm. Okay, why would Romanova and, and fight Bond, Bond though? Literally, the first scene between wall. them, it, she gets into I his bed naked. Them. She gets into bed naked so that when Bond walks in, they can f because she's told to do so. You can't Charlie, underplay that. What you're 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 right about the orders. You, oh, you are. Oh my god. But my my point is they so technically they were both under orders, like you said, right? Yeah. Yeah, they were both under orders. Let's say you are the seductress and your job is to seduce Bond. Do you think it's going to be more interesting to watch if you're like, yeah, Bond, here it is. Like, it's all here for you. You can do whatever you want with it. Or is it more intriguing to Bond to kind of lead him on for a minute, make him play a game, make him pursue you, make it difficult for him? Which I'm approach is going to be more... I'm saying uh, that the, I'm saying the comparison successful. is unfair. The comparison is completely unfair because one chick is ordered to f him. From now on, you will do anything he says. And if I refuse, then you will not leave this room alive. The other chick is ordered to like look after him, right? And so, yeah, Pussy Galore is gonna like push him off because she's on the path to get rich, right? I'm saying you can't compare the two because Romanova the first scene, they fuck. Her interview process is like, turn around, turn let me make sure you have, oh, you got that, hmm. you got an ass. Okay, cool, Bond's gonna like You're that. Fine looking girl. She was hired because she's sexy. Pussy Galore happens to be sexy. Bond gladly forces himself on her, and then she trades millions of dollars to be with him. So did she really resist him all that much? Because up until then, she was just protecting her potential profit. Your share of Operation Grand Slam will make you a very rich woman, my dear. Why else would I be in it, Mr. Goldfinger? Then she gives it all up because, whatever, because he banged her good. Whereas with Tatiana, you have this question of what's real and what's not real. And that she's essentially sexy bond bait in a giant 007 trap. Frankly, I find that to be more interesting. Pussy Galore could have been a fucking dog face. Pussy Galore could have been a, a, a odd job. The actor Ajab could have played Pussy Galore. You know what I mean? Or God forbid, what if Colonel Kleb had played Pussy Galore? I mean, Jesus, Bond would have to like poke his eyes out to accomplish that mission. It would have been tougher for Bond had she been ugly. All we have at the end of the day is two really attractive people f***ing. That's it. I, I, don't, I don't think it's super interesting, but regardless, Tatiana doesn't have a choice and Pussy Galore does. I'm saying you can't compare the two in the same way. Okay, that's valid. I'm going to point this out so too. They, the they had a convenient here? little loophole, a George Lucasian loophole here because when the soldiers fall down, it looks really fake. And yeah. because it is fake. Yes. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. This yeah. is them fake passing out? That looks really real to me. And I'm a doctor, yeah. so. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything from the movie that is some bullshit? medical what i'm more curious about is a lady being painted in gold would you actually die yes. from that skin suffocation it's been known to happen to cabaret dancers it's all right so long as you leave a small bare patch at the base of the spine to allow the skin to breathe so this, yes. this idea of skin suffocation skin su if yes. i had watched this earlier i would have looked it up i don't know brilliant i don't know but um i don't think so i don't know what kind of doctor are you? Doctor, I don't know. Well, let me just tell you, there's one part of your body that does breathe. 
via the air that surrounds it, and that is your eyeball. Is it at the bottom of the spine? No. <laughs> it is, that is yeah, your eyeball. Explain. But I'm pretty sure the Blue Man group would be dead, long dead, if this was true theory. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think... <laughs> I'm not going to answer that question, McCurdy. What I am going to answer is a question that came up to me, which is, what are the odds that James Bond has had syphilis by this point? <laughs> and so I looked at the prevalence of syphilis in the UK, in the Western world, by this point, oh. penicillin has been invented. So, you know, prior to penicillin, it was just mercury. And so it's about 1%, prevalence about 1% in the UK, pretty high, actually, and 6% in the developing world. So up until the two gypsies in the last movie, he was doing yeah. okay. He was like 96% okay. Uh, no. There's now a 22% chance, a one in five chance that James Bond has had syphilis. Bond sleeps with Once. two women in this yeah. film, correct? And then we were presumed to think that he may be sleeping with the woman he smacks on the ass. In the he beginning. the shit out of the masseuse. Who would not? Oh, Jesus. dude. That's oh, shocking. So, so, man, so interesting. Are, are we going to go ahead and acknowledge that point? That is the most chauvinist thing I've ever seen. It's fantastic. Dink, meet Felix Leiter. Hello. Felix, say hello to Dink. Hi, Dink. Dink, say goodbye to Felix. Hmm? Uh, man talk. And it is so say, James Bond. We say God, it's, it's perfect. Like if that, if, that, is if that upsets anybody, that person is in denial. If James yeah. Bond smacked you on the ass, the super you soaker would turn you on. Love it. Even if you hated yourself, because I mean, Pussy Galore herself is like, yeah, whatever, yeah. Mister Bond, James Bond, and then she relents in oh. no time flat. Oh. All of us would relent <laughs> in no time flat. Oh, okay. Absolutely. It was cringy, I will can, say. Can we say age, that was a cringy scene what? for me? Look, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm not. Was, oh, was, if in, you want to argue day, the, the validity day, yeah. of that. God, you are all cucks. Every last can, can one we of you. Say, can we say the masseuse's name is Dink? <laughs> Look, dink. I. I okay, dink. so the woman who plays. Oh, yeah, Dink, 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 The cue scenes in the first two films are verbatim. It's just in M's office. You could line up the two scenes and they're just the same thing. It's a guy walks in with a briefcase and gives Bond some stuff. Now they have more money. They can have an actual cue branch set, go there, do some fun special effects stuff. That's all well and good. And we're going to see that every week from here on. Morning, Q. Morning, 007. This way, please. Something fun about the whole cue scene is that you notice right away that Q's a little irritable, right? He's yeah. just, Bond comes in and Bond's like, hey, hey buddy. Please. And he's like, the f up Bond. What's funny about it is that in the last two Q scenes, it was just a guy that came in and gave Bond some weapons. We didn't really know yeah. much about him. It was just like, okay, here, here's your stuff. And it was, it was very pleasant. In this one, it was just as if it was like, what's my motivation? And it's like, uh, you're, you're busy. And you know, this young, suave, sexy man comes in and, and you're and and he kind of you know he touches stuff and he just kind of bugs you and and just just kind of roll with that and then that sets the tone for bond and q's relationship forever which is that they <laughs> they they bond always bugs the out of q and q is just <laughs> extremely impatient with him mccurdy what so Fun fact. <laughs> exactly what you're saying. Guy Hamilton's note was, you do not like this guy. 
And he's like, why do you know? Desmond Luan's like, why don't I like this guy? Because he doesn't respect your gadgets. And that is why you do not like this man. And Everybody Q loves nails this guy. it. His face. Yes. His and face that sets on it the up. delivery of. Reject a seat, you're joking. I never joke about my work, 007. As an IT professional, like, I identify with Q and Vodka <laughs> so <laughs> much. Like, I, I'm yeah. like, I, I hate the fact that Very you get much. to touch my machines. Yeah. I hate that, like, yeah. you, like, how Perfect. dare you, like, you, you imperfect creature, your your filthy hands are unfit <laughs> yeah. to handle the and, technological and- gifts that I bestow upon you. <laughs> And from here into eternity, like every movie, Q just more and more just hates Bond. And Bond is just always pushing his buttons. And it it makes it significantly more interesting. To wreck my and and then sass me like the gall. Let's ask the doctor. If somebody's mute, can they still go, (laughs) ah, Ah, well, mute's a colloquial term. So most of the time, a mute means somebody either has an inability to speak. So there's a part of your brain that if you lose it, you can't speak. You can have a stroke or a brain injury that damages that part of your brain. And then you have what's called aphasia. And so, but most of the time, either people have a tough time finding words or they speak in like a word salad. Do you, you think know, Ajab like had a words. stroke? Because you can hit him with a two by four and he doesn't react. <laughs> Maybe there's like, there's also something called mutism, which is more of a, I don't know as much about the mechanism of that. It's less of like a part of your brain that's broken and more of like a syndrome of mutism where somebody just doesn't speak. Alternatively, like some people call you a mute if you had your tongue cut out, you know, and you just can't make words. I was actually going to say, how do we know that wasn't the case with odd job necessarily, that he just like had his tongue cut out, so he's like literally can't. He does communicate to the, like the army of Asian guys at some point, but it might just be a grunt and they just like have hung around with him (laughs) enough to understand. So since we're talking about our man odd job, I'm going to throw in my trivia about odd job here. Harold Sakata which is his real name. I mean, it might be an Americanized name, but apparently he's a Hawaiian. He was a silver medalist in the Olympics. Of course, the producers, directors saw wrestler, him right? on screen as a wrestler, and they're like, dude, we should get this guy as Odd Job. The crazy thing about Odd Job, their Harold, he burned his hand doing his death scene where he gets the hat thrown in there and he's holding on to the hat and he's doing shaking. Apparently, he just kept holding on and he's burning the shit out of his hand and then he didn't let go until the director said cut and the director didn't realize it and he was just he told the director was like well you didn't call cut so i just kept holding on to my hand and he burned the crap out of his hand basically just to to you know make a movie awesome i hope he got pussy galore for that one man (laughs) i will say it is odd that i assume it's a geiger counter that's actively trying to figure out if there's a nuke nearby would that not have been triggered immediately the guy activates the bomb you know he puts the trigger in there but wouldn't you already be able to detect the radioactivity yeah no of a bomb without a doubt you absolutely would you regardless of shield pinpoint right yeah like even (laughs) that that thing was made of lead back in the 60s they would have already had the technology to identify identify that material based on its radio wave signature so, so like, like it works for the plot you know it's like it okay, does we, we need to pretend to pass out so that they're comfortable enough to bring in the bomb and then when they activate it once they turn on the radioactivity and it activates the geiger counter then you know we'll move in but yeah, uh, maybe uh maybe totally maybe. ruining the movie completely and making it inferior to from russia with love <laughs> <laughs> ah, what the f- 
fucked up, Charlie. I think it's a fun (laughs) plot, honestly. (laughs) I want to acknowledge your point about why, like, if I was going to give From Russia With Love, if I was going to rate it higher, higher, the reason why I would do that is because the relationship between Bond and Goldfinger doesn't feel as good as it does between Bond and Grant in terms of like the classiness. Bond doesn't get gold. Bond, he's like, that guy's a fucking clown. He's a smart clown. He's a dangerous clown, but he's a fucking clown ass, douchey, rich boy, dumbass dude. Like Bond does not respect Goldfinger in the same way. There's yeah. a mutual respect with Red. Yeah. Correct. They understand um, each other. Correct. Nans is hundred. Yeah, Nans nailed it. I don't think Bond has that for Goldfinger. But he does at All one right. point, and I will say that's the key moment for the film Goldfinger. Is that moment where Bond goes, "Man, I j- I thought you were a, c- but now I see you're a fucking genius. You're not going in there to steal the gold, right? You're going in there to destroy the gold. Now, at the most, you're going to have two hours before the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines move in and make you put it back." Who mentioned anything about removing it? I apologize, Goldfinger. You know, the last couple episodes I've talked about Richard Baybaum, and you know, some people would say, like, I don't really care who wrote the film. But I want to give Richard Baybaum credit, because in the book version, Goldfinger steals the gold. But in the movie, Baybaum's like, you could never do that. It would take weeks to do because there's that much gold. He fixed a plot hole in the movie and he said instead of him stealing it, how about he just destroys it? That is brilliant. And it really is. That is the key moment to the film. Because the whole moment with the gangsters in the scene where he's telling them about the heist, that's a comedic scene. I laughed my ass off the whole time. Every line of dialogue is, why is that coming out of the ground? What are these lights? Turn those (laughs) lights back on. What's this? What's with that trick pool tape? Come right in. Hey, cover those doors. Turn those lights back on. What are you trying to pull, Goldfinger? Yeah, I don't like being cooped up like this. What's that map doing there? Hey, what's going on here? What is it? Hey, on the floor, my thing. Hey, they closed up the floor. Hey, what's going on here? What's going on here? Hey, what the? What's going on here? Come on here. Turn those lights hey, back on. Hey, what's that? What's going on here? What's going on Farcical. And those guys are like out of a Mel yeah. Brooks movie. Right? What, what's going on? Say hi. Yeah. Ah, hi. Ah. What's this? Yeah. It's setting up the typical bad guy plot, right? We're going to go steal a bunch of money. And Bond himself, he's like, eh, they're just going to steal a bunch of money. Like, who gives a f-? When he realizes it's, we're going to destroy the gold, Bond's like, hey, this movie's pretty good. <laughs> like, Bond himself <laughs> confirms that. And I just want to submit one question because this has always kind of confused me. Bond's like, that would make the gold radioactive. But we're talking about detonating a nuke. Would detonating a nuke destroy all of that gold? No. That's what I was thinking. Or would it just explode gold all over the place? It would melt the gold, but it doesn't matter. You can't get to the gold if it's extremely radioactive. Yeah, that, that was really what it was. But it's not, it's not like you melt the gold. But it's not like you wait 60 years and, and you're going to find a bunch of bullion blocks. Look at Chernobyl. Okay. No, Is yeah, there it, gold in Chernobyl? No, but the, the radioactive. <laughs> there was no explosion in Chernobyl. Is there gold in Chernobyl? No. Yeah, Correct me if I was wrong. Was there an explosion? Yes, there was. There absolutely was. Yes, I, thought, was I thought it was like a leak. In Chernobyl. I thought it was a leak. It would be radioactive for 2,000 years. Regardless, regardless if it's radioactive or not, I believe you could correct me. If anybody is a nuclear physicist and knows anything about nuclear weapons, chime in. But I believe a nuclear weapon, if you have not 
not seen photos of people basically <laughs> like on walls as far as their outline goes it vaporizes you a atomic bomb is that powerful that's so what i'm saying the gold itself would be vaporized bomb. the gold and, no, would it's not and I exist think it's well if you exploded in fort knox the entire gold supply of united states will be radioactive for 57 years 58 to be exact i apologize goldfinger it's an inspired deal they get what they want economic chaos in the west and the value of your gold increases many times. I conservatively estimate 10 times. I think the stakes are ever so slightly higher in Goldfinger. I don't think stakes is what dictates the quality of a movie because any movie can just be like, the world's gonna end. You know, that doesn't automatically mean that that's the superior film. Maybe All I right. need to go into what I do love because I do uh, love that a spy drama does have a prolonged golf scene. He makes a subtle up. little it thing. A, it's mm -hmm. great. Every time you get that odd job theme, I can't help but laugh. I just love it. Like I do yep. love. I love the scene where his caddy says, Then we got him. That scene always gets forgotten. Like nobody mentions that. Everybody yeah. was, everyone mentions Brilliant. odd job. Brilliant. Everyone mentions Goldfinger, you know. But I love the golf scene when it literally comes down to. You play a Slesinger one, don't you? Yes, why? Well, this is a Slesinger seven. Here's my Penfold Hearts. Well, you must have played the wrong ball somewhere on the 18th fairway. We are playing strict rules, so. I'm afraid you lose the hole and the match. A seven versus a one. And then they're like walking away oh, and Shaddy's like, oh, we got him now. Slazenger. So I find the actual evil plot of Goldfinger to be more entertaining. I do. I think it's more fun. I think it's a little more silly, but I think that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, I kind of want it to be far-fetched sometimes. Like, I get your point that, like, For Russia With Love is a much more grounded story. It takes itself more seriously. I mean, I'm kind of making a similar argument to you, Charlie. Like, I enjoyed both of them a lot. I'm not talking about the iconicness of any of the moments necessarily. I'm just saying, like, they're more fun. The laser scene is f***ing fun. It's a fun scene to it's, watch. It's phenomenal. I f***ing golf. If you were to put me in my version of hell, golf would definitely be on the television. No doubt. And yet I enjoy watching the golf scene in this movie. It makes something that I f***ing hate fun to watch. Yeah. That's why it's number one for me is just like, I was more entertained watching Goldfinger than I was watching from Rush With Love. That's my argument here. Now, um, Scott, can you be as articulate as Patterson or are you going to continue to sound like a caveman i told nans I'm, I'm trying to give nans his point because you wouldn't shut the f up after you told him to talk i want to know what nans has to say as newbie. yeah i know as a newbie, I, you, I want to know what he has to say talk, and then you and mccurdy kept All right, arguing guys, shut up why are you now feeling that from rush with love may be superior from the get-go of the episode i mentioned i think they're very close and both of them have their merits and weaknesses if someone put a gun to my head i again beginning of the episode i had to edge out goldfinger but i could still be swayed one way or the other agreeing with patterson i find the plot of goldfinger more interesting or more fun though i don't know if it's as well executed as from russia with love i will admit from russia with love i was kind of confused Maybe the plot was too convoluted for my simple brain and Goldfinger's kind of attractive to me because it's just really straightforward, like bank heist sort of thing. From Russia with Love, I feel like I was more entertained throughout the movie 
Goldfinger, I feel, had kind of a lull. I feel like James Bond does more in From Russia With Love. He's kind of in captivity for most of Goldfinger, and I feel like he doesn't do a whole lot, especially once he's been captured. He does seduce Pussy Galore eventually, the, the, but... The, the story of Goldfinger is very straightforward. Extremely yeah, straightforward. I it's do. Just, that's what hey, I like about Would that. you look into this guy? We may or may not have gold smuggling. Maybe track him and see what he's doing. Yeah, I'll do that. Bond immediately finds out that he's smuggling gold. And then as he's catching this whole smuggling thing, he overhears Grand Slam. He doesn't know what it is. He gets caught because he sees his own reflection in a mirror. So he drives into a building, which is that silly. Kind of a weird moment. No, I don't I don't think so. I think it's not a weird moment and because mainly you're driving he's driving a car. It's not him seeing his reflections, him his headlight reflections. James Bond he's sees a headlight so he drives in so he drives into a wall. He drives into a wall by his own car's headlights. And it's a funny in moment a too because when in he crashes, Oddjob looks over and you see the mirror the and mirror. you realize like, oh, he yeah. got by his own a mirror that was that was elevated that was like 20 feet off the ground have you not driven a car one time and it's like hard to see especially when it's like yeah but I don't panic and jerk the wheel into a wall yeah Yeah, but you're not getting chased down (laughs) by like what do I do guys with guns yeah I mean are you getting chased down with guys with guns though he tried he tried the machine gun at that point he tried the machine guns at that point and then coming back to our job again the smile Looking at the Mary doesn't need to say anything. I think the stakes are higher. I right. think the villain is overall better because he is yeah. throughout the entire film. He doesn't have his grand scene in the end of the film. He is throughout the entire film. The henchman, if you're saying Grant is equal to odd job, is better. He doesn't have to say anything. He does his job. Mm. You know his allegiance by his actions, not by his words. I gotta say, I just hate this argument that odd jobs better just because he's mute i think that's a terrible argument just outright it's not like just because a character doesn't say anything they're awesome it's a really cheap argument if i'm being honest but i'm gonna counter with a different cheap argument which is that red grant murdered karen bay and he's a butthead for that but odd job murdered one of the worst actresses to ever be in a bond film let me go you're breaking my back i want to kill him Kill who? Goldfinger. Well, I want him alive. I want him dead. He killed my sister. Tilly Masterson sucks, and every time I watch his hat explode her skull, I smile with gusto. So way to go, Oddjob. Oddjob is just cool, though. And I gotta say, that kind of reflects the best argument that you guys have made so far, which is that Goldfinger is just more fun than From Russia With Love. Charlie, let me add this. From Russia With Love, the entire film takes a nosedive into the gypsy scene. If you were to analyze the whole movie as a whole, the gypsy scene does not need to be in the movie. It doesn't. Yes. It's literally a scene that (laughs) the film takes... That's very true. But with Goldfinger, every scene is about James Bond versus mm. Goldfinger. The whole yes. film. But I do love the, the whole scene. film. I love those scenes. That's where Red saves his ass. That's More than true. any Red other point. part in the movie. That's fair. That's where That's he saves fair. his ass. Saved your life with a gypsy gun. But that point's also already made when he goes to the cathedral and he kills the dude who could kill Bond. That same point's already made. From Rush With Love has a lot of, hey, let's go over here. Let's go see this. Whereas Goldfinger's kind of tight in the fact that every single scene really is about his him facing off against Goldfinger. I, I, let me respond to that. I completely agree that Goldfinger is significantly more of a simple plot, and that's 
really good for the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I think I dig the whole idea of From Russia with Love is a little bit more of a convoluted plot where there's this third party that's having East and West fight each other. And, you know, who's got this Lecter thing? What is the Lecter? How are we going to get it? Goldfinger is just like, whatever. F*** all that. It's a very simple, straightforward plot. And I'm, I'm usually the one that's like the advocate for the simple, straightforward Both are. plot. Both that's are. usually me. Um, Both are. <laughs> Both are simple plots, dude. No. <laughs> I, I, no, Scott, sorry, I would, I would disagree. Not I, at all. Between the two, Goldfinger is significantly more simple and straightforward, and I'm saying yeah. it's yes. a good thing. Scott, I would agree. For Rush With Love's a little more convoluted in the fact that you have to understand who Spectre is, what the East and the West yeah. are doing. But from Goldfinger, I, I'm just saying Goldfinger, like I agree with Charlie, Goldfinger is a lot simpler. And I think that's a yes. good thing. In this movie, Goldfinger, Bond fights Oddjob. Oddjob is probably physically more superior to Bond in every way. If they were in a cage match, Bond would be f***ing dead. But what makes this fight better? The one thing I love about this fight, Bond has to use his intelligence. He has to use what's around him. He uses his surroundings. He realizes he's got a rim hat with metal in it. There is a cable there. Oh, well, maybe I could electrocute him if I trick him into grabbing the hat. And I think that's one of the best things about this movie is throughout the film. It's not even just that scene. It's not even just that scene. Throughout the film, we see Bond using his intelligence to best the villain, whether it's in the golf scene, whether it's him sitting on a table getting his balls lasered. He always has something up his sleeve and he's using his mind. And that's what's funny is I think this movie, in a way, it's like the beginning of the end with the Bond franchise where he introduces the super gadgets, right? Now we see all these super gadgets and we see more and more. We'll see that in other films. We'll talk about that later. But even though we introduced that in this film, the super spy, the other two films, they're spy movies. This movie's the super spy movie even though we have that bond at least you can see he's using his intelligence to get past a lot of these problems and not just his physicality and i like that about this movie i think that's actually like the smarter thing about this movie that it may or may not get overlooked maybe i do like the seriousness of from russia with love or i like certain aspects of the setting it's like my personal preference not by things you can count because i think that's what bothers you charlie is if we if, if we like just try to count things and compare it and that like that doesn't work that's not compelling you, to you but i think that i think yeah. that in the other end it's like no, but as a film, it's tight. There's, Can't give any points. The plot sure. is well done. The blowing up of the gold instead of stealing the gold was a great like moment. And, and these yeah. kinds of things, it comes together in a really good way. And it has more of the goodness that you want out of a Bond movie. And so in that way, I think it goes to the top. That's I think there's a up. lot of stuff about Goldfinger that is just... Is it's, you kind of laugh at top. it whenever Odd Job comes on the scene and you have his little stings in, in the music. I laugh, pussy galore. I laugh. Yeah, the- Guy Hamilton definitely brought a certain sense of humor to the franchise. There's a lot of goofy stuff, and from Rush with Love, you take it seriously. It's a much more serious spy drama. I appreciate it so much more on those levels. That's why I like it. But it raises an interesting question, which is from here on, what is going to be superior a good movie or a good bond movie and that's a very important distinction to make and that's going to be at the core of our discussions going forward i think in the end charlie this is what i'm going to say goldfinger mechanically just sort of like stands as the better put together film and yet you can still like from washer with no love more i'm trying to put into words what it means to me and i think what it comes down to is like what we talked about before and what we talked about last week 
is that McCurdy himself was talking about how this feels like a real spy drama. And yeah. Goldfinger is, yeah. I just think it's a of, different film. you know, watching it, it's just goofier. And that doesn't mean bad because we're about to hit Roger Moore movies, which are goofy as yeah. And that's, that's fine. I, I, I'm, I'm, I am never going to be that guy who disregards any bond because of goofiness versus seriousness. But really what it comes down to for me is there's this level of class that From Russia With Love has that Goldfinger just doesn't. And maybe Goldfinger is more of a blockbuster. It's maybe bigger in scope, but it just doesn't beat the simplistic and classy elements of From Russia With Love that I appreciate so much. The thing that I said last week was that what makes Room Russia With Love, for a lot of critics, is one of the best films, is that it doesn't dive into the comic bookiness of a lot of the James Bond films going forward. And I think Goldfinger is the opposite. It is a very comic booky movie, of course, because it has a supercar. That being said, I think this is a better movie because it is a more entertaining film. I think throughout, there's a lot more going on. It's a tighter movie. It's easier to follow than I think it is the last film. Goldfinger throughout the entire movie is doing things. We see him having his meeting with the crime bosses throughout America. If this was Spectre, Spectre would hire a Red Grant character to take the car that is made of a gold to smuggle it to a location. But you know what Goldfinger does? He himself is sitting in the car with his main henchman. He goes to the factory. He gets that melted down. This is an active villain. He is literally doing everything. He is not telling his henchmen to do these things. He's involved in doing these things himself. That, I think, makes him a better villain because he's active. He's not just a guy sitting around telling his henchmen, you go there, you go there, you do this. He's doing it himself. Goldfinger is just a simple crook. He's just a guy who wants his gold to be worth more. That's it. He doesn't have any greater motivation. Is Orc Goldfinger's only motivation money? And Red Grant has a deeper motivation. I still think Red is a great character. Goldfinger is in many ways like the common crook. However, what I like about Goldfinger is that he is very much underestimated by either his looks or by the fact that he's just this German guy who seems like he's an idiot. But every time he's overlooked, there's always something in Goldfinger's back pocket that's like, I would never have thought to wear a general's uniform at Fort Knox, but Goldfinger thought of that. I will say if we're comparing them in that fashion, Red Grant went deeper. Red Grant straight up played an English agent for a while, but I will totally give props to Goldfinger. That's the crazy thing about him is that while he did suddenly pretend to be a military official, but he pulls out a golden gun, not giving a f- that maybe that gives away that he's not sure, a normal but, I mean, officer. That's true, but even all the other scenes outside of that scene, right? He's always got something in his back pocket yeah. to get Bond. Whether it's even him saying, oh, by the way, Bond, I own the club. But what does the club secretary have to say? Oh, nothing, Mr. Bond. I own the club. He's always in control, yeah. He's always ahead of the game, even though you don't think he's going to be just because he yeah. looks like a big oaf. Again, like the first scene we meet him in, Bond screws him over in a card game and he kind of underestimates him. He's like, this this is, I fight Russians. I fight all these Spectre yeah. agents. Like, who's this gold smuggler? Who gives a f about this guy? And then the first time he beats him, it turns out, oh, wait, by the way, the gold smuggler has a Korean henchman who's a f monster and he could just you know 
karate chops Bond in the back of the head. And then, you know, to show his dick, he's just like, I'm going to spray paint the girl that you banged with gold kill her to make a message okay this guy yeah pr you probably shouldn't underestimate him he's a dangerous guy i think you hit the nail on the head with this one mccurdy while i'll always dig the espionage of from russia with love there really is this escalation with goldfinger it just starts with a simple card game and then it moves to a game of golf and then eventually it works its way up to the destruction of the west as we know it so yeah i think you're totally right goldfinger is just a better villain than anybody we've come across yet. And like you said, a big part of that is how he's underestimated based on his looks, but he's secretly a f***ing genius and a ruthless one at that. And that's what leads to this kind of back and forth between him and Bond, which is Bond has a win, then he has a loss. Goldfinger has a win, then he has a loss. It's this back and forth that is slowly escalating until we get to that fantastic conclusion. I think there is a subjective bias on my part that just digs the style of From Russia with Love more. But yeah. if you remember, I, I talked a lot of shit about Red Grant, about how he kind of fails in the end. Mm -hmm. And I'm willing to concede that on those grounds, Goldfinger is superior in terms of things like what McCurdy just said, like Bond constantly using his intelligence to get out of situations as opposed to something like well, let me buy a cigarette, you know, which didn't make sense for Red Grant's character. Goldfinger is who he is from beginning to end. There are no concessions made character wise. It is technically a simpler plot, but it's a simpler plot done bigger. So I'll officially concede my position and put Goldfinger at number one from Rush with Love at number two and Dr. No at number three. I think overall it just has to do with these discussions are going to come up in the future. Classiness versus goofiness. That's going to be a big thing going forward. This is our first little foray into it. A little bit of Bond goofiness isn't a bad thing, but Goldfinger introduces a certain level of goofiness. It's inevitable when it comes to Bond, but all in all, it's fun! McCurdy, so like, what was the death? You mentioned that there was... Oh, the death, the death, the sad, unfortunate mm. death. So we've been talking about it. Tease for next episode, the allegations on Thunderball. From the first film to the third film, they've been wanting to make Thunderball. There was a huge legal dispute over the rights of that. To some extent, because of those allegations, it gave a lot of stress to Ian Fleming, the writers of these books. And unfortunately, he died before this film came out. This was the last film that he ever had any contact with the production. 25 films. The guy died at like 56 years old, which is not old. I mean, my dad's older than that. I think most of our dads are older than that. Well, remember, he's writing a character where the core philosophy of Bond is, I'm going to be dead by the time I'm 45. So I'm going to get syphilis. I'm going to <laughs> f*** up my liver. I'm going to capitalize on every moment I have because I know that my time is extremely limited. Every picture you see him in, he's smoking a cigarette with a, a holder. Of course, he was an avid drinker. So it's no surprise that he died of a heart attack at, the, at, at such a young age, but yeah, it's segue, unfortunate. That's one of the best jokes of this whole movie is. I suppose I'll be able to get a drink here. I told the stewardess, liquor for three. Who are the other two? Oh, there are no other two. There are no other <laughs> two. <laughs> you yeah. f***ing Alky Bond? And he's like, um, oh, yes. All right, so this one, goes to Ian Fleming, who died during the production of this film. He wrote all the stories that these films are based off of, and he created the character. So here's to Ian Fleming. 
Ian Fleming, the real life Cheers. James Bond. There we go. The real. Cheers, Cheers to that man.